The other, the other amazing thing, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, we have a very short stage. So what I would do is keep your cameras ready because somewhere in there I might get excited and, and, and act like I'm used to having a bit more space and just go forward. On Tuesday, that, let me get rid of my keys. On Tuesday, that could have been a baptismal tank. So, yes, there was a bit of moisture in the air for the last few days. But uh, can, I, can I just say, every single week I say exactly the same thing. And I, and I pray that just because it's repetitive, you don't ignore it. Because there will come a time... For those of you, I would say, especially for those of you that have been around a while, that you will walk in one Sunday, and you may, you may disregard or not hear anything else, but the words that you will need to hear are, welcome home. Welcome home. You belong here. For those of you that are watching online, you belong here. Welcome home. In the room or online. I love my church. I love the church. And one of the things I've said over, over many years is one of the things I want on my tombstone. And, and, and I, actually, I want a lot written on my tombstone, not because I believe that I need a lot, but because I just want to create expense for my kids because over many, many years, they've created a lot of expense for us. But on my tombstone, I want passion for his house, for God's house has consumed him. And I love the church, but I love my church, this church. Can I say, can I, can I I'm about to ask a dumb question actually. Can I say something that might offend one or two people here? I think this is the best church in the best city, in the best country in the world. Now, there might be one or two people visiting from other churches, and you'll say, how dare he say that? How dare? That's not right. How many, how many men are married? Good. Who's got the best wife? And if you dare, <laughs> dare point to the guy behind you, you will be sleeping in the bath, not for a couple of days, but maybe for many, many years. So do you have the best wife, best husband? Of course you do. Best for you. It's not a competition with anyone else. It's best for you. And I can say, I love my church, and I go to the best church in the best city in the best country on the face of the planet. Now, I know probably my mom and dad and maybe one or two other people will be watching online and they go elsewhere. But for me, I'm okay with making that statement of fact. And you should be as well. You ready to come around the word of God, those that aren't offended? Why don't you stand with me as we pray? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this incredible day, the privilege that we get to be part of someone's discipleship journey. Thank you for these two young women and 
older couple a bit later on that are taking the step of obedience with you. But God, I pray also for those of us that just need to hear something from God today. I pray that as we listen with open hearts and open minds, Lord, that you will give us what you need us to hear. Pray for those that don't know you. Pray especially for those that don't know you or those that have gone away. And like Pastor Paul preached about last week, the prodigal, that they will experience the open, loving, accepting arms of God the Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't you grab your seats? So, if you haven't worked out already, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week for the city of Saskatoon with floods all over the place. You've probably seen the news reports. If you haven't seen the news report with me starring in it, why not? My moment of glory came. I stood up to the mark and I was there. Feet wet. We all felt like hobbits. Trousers rolled up, bare feet, shoveling water out. And now you can see some of the I guess the consequences of that, but nowhere near what it was throughout the week. It's been an interesting week. And then obviously on top of that, Pastor Paul following the call of God on his life and getting everything ready, packing his books away, giving away the rubbish that he doesn't want to keep, and uh, heading across to Lakeview. And he's, he's preaching, he's starting our new series, I think he might have mentioned that next week, our cult, Culture Wars. And can I, those of you that are, I guess, more seasoned Christians, can you pray into that? Because we're going to hit some interesting topics. We're going to hit some stuff that you might disagree with. But what I want us to be able to do is have conversations as a church. It's not a, this is what we believe. It's, hey, how do we deal with these opposing views that are in the world and in the church at the moment? And pray, pray for us that we'll deal with it sensitively, but also full of truth and grace. One of the things that I saw this week was the coming together of people, most of us having no clue what we were doing apart from just shoveling water uh, and who knew that snow shovels could be so good at getting rid of water? But we came together and we managed to probably save tens of thousands of dollars worth of restoration work because we acted so swiftly and got the water out of the building. People bring in snow shovels and pumps to get the water out the doors. The water was pouring in. The thing was, it was only when so many of us contributed together, that we began to work together, that things got done. And here's a, a quick video, if you haven't seen it already, here's a quick video of just the deluge, the fun, but the work that went on as well.
So lots of water, lots of work, and lots of continuing work to get on with that. Dee and I nearly always have the same conversation when we go to someone's house for supper or to eat something, to visit, to hang out. And it goes like this. We need to go early. Why? That's me. My bit is the why. We need to go early because I need to take a present. But you should have thought of this yesterday. But we need to do, we, need to, we can't go without taking a gift for where we go. We have to contribute something. Same conversation every single time. My question for all of us who are part of church, maybe this church or another church, is what will you bring to the table? Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, I, I can't play the guitar like, like Jaden or sing like Rose. I can't preach like Paul Morgan. I can't lead a circle group like Paul and Lily Lou. I can't host in kids' church like Olivia Hildeman. I can't, I can't even be an evangelist like Eddie Fisher. I can't be a board member like Lynn Goshelak. I can't lead youth like Ben and Michelle Vandercoy. What have I got to bring to the table? What gift can I bring? You see, when it comes to church and the way we do church and the way a lot of the Western world does church, and, and I love it. So don't misunderstand me by, saying, by thinking, oh, he's going to get rid of everything. No, no, no. I love how we do church, the passion and, and trying to do things with excellence and all of that stuff. I absolutely love it. But one of the downsides is, is that we can create a consumer mentality, not a contributor mentality. Now, let me say church... Our church, any church, it's not a business. There are things that we have to do within the scope of business and charity law and all of that. But we are a local community of believers in Jesus who gather under the name of Jesus because we are loved and forgiven by Jesus. But how do you view church? As a consumer or as a contributor? And I don't mean church, the organization of it, the staffing of it, the, how we do finances, the programming. I mean going back to the church as the living, breathing community of believers, the bride of Christ, the family. How do you view it? How do you view this that we do on a Sunday and midweek community as well, as a consumer or as a contributor? You see, a consumer comes in and it's about my needs and preferences. If it's not meeting my needs, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. If it doesn't suit me, I'll go somewhere else. I, I'll wait till everyone's dealt with the flood and the platform's a bit larger, and I'll come back after the flood when there's less moisture in the air. See, a consumer is concerned about having my needs. How's my meal today? You can pick and choose what you want, but as a contributor, we have a different attitude. I belong here. I belong here. We, we have everything invested in the place. 
It's not about my needs. It's about the vision of the church and the mission of Jesus Christ. My contribution, as little as it is that you think, and I'll talk about that later, or as great as you think it is, it counts. I'm in this for the long term. I'm not swayed by the latest advertising gimmick or trendy thing that's going on. It's where I'm fed. Now, I'm not saying don't listen to podcasts and stuff like this, but you see, Craig Grishel is not your pastor. He's not speaking into your situation. I love listening to people like him. But he's not your pastor. He's not assessing the needs of the community. He's assessing the needs of his community. And as contributors, we belong here. The Holy Spirit helps us fit together, the Bible tells us. He, he brings unity. He helps, as I've been preaching about the misfits, find a place of belonging. As a contributor, I, I can share, I can give, I can invest my little. Now, some of you again may be thinking, what, what happens if my contribution is so little so insignificant in the eyes of other people. I want you to think about someone. I don't think he's actually in the service today. I love Cody. Do you know Cody? He's a young guy, disabled. He's got profound dis disabilities, actually. And he comes in, and every now and then he'll shout. And... But I love that. I love the fact that he, he may not even know it, but his contribution lets me know that he's awake and probably waking up a few other people in the, in the way that he shouts. But you see, his presence helps me. He contributes during the service, during my preaching, when some of you might think, why is that kid shouting? I'm thinking, thank God someone's actually listening. You see, you, maybe even me at different times, can think, his contribution matters very little. It's insignificant, but it's not insignificant to me. He contributes to the life of this church by his presence and by his vocal cords. He encourages me. I love seeing him here. He belongs and he contributes. He brings his very little, but he adds to the whole. So when you're thinking... I have nothing. Just remember Cody, who to the rest of the world, he doesn't add value to what's going on out there, but he adds value to what happens in here. He is a valued member of our community. He contributes to the level that maybe is greater than some other people. So as we find our place of belonging we find our place of contribution. We can all bring something. Most people are not going to be up here. That's okay. But everyone can contribute something. Not just by turning up. Not even just by turning up and serving. But actually by bringing what God has brought to us. 1 Corinthians 14. Go away and read it. it. It tells of everyone should bring something. Something, not just a, a physical contribution, sweeping the water away, but actually something from God. How does that work? 
Well, it works, and I've said this many times before, it works at the doorways. It works in common ground, where you you pray, God, what do you want me to give? Who do you want me to give it to? And it might be just a simple scripture. But you come with something of God ready and able to give. You step out and you contribute, and that's what builds a church. Genesis 1, 28 is God's first First command to humankind. It's, it was go away, look after, contribute and grow in the place that God had created Adam and Eve to be in. Contribute to the garden. Look after it, tend it, help it grow. Contribute to its growth. The first command was bring a contribution. Look after it, help it grow. When we, when we look around this just in this room, and you know, I know people online and people watch this at different times, and people come according to their work schedule and things like that, but we see such a diverse community. A group of people that could be, and sometimes are, so divided over politics and race and gender and sexuality and power imbalances and economic status. Yet, God still calls us together. God still calls us family. And we forget we fit together because of our differences. Galatians 3, 26 to 29, and I've read this through this series. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So... Just before we get into the rest of it, remember, we were baptized in Christ and clothed with Christ. It's not just about us. How amazing is that? That it's not just about we come together as a community club, as a hockey club, as a sports club, as a reading club. It's actually about Christ, with Christ, in Christ that we come together. That's why we're held together, not by our, our same opinions, not by the fact that we like the same style of music or the, the same songs or whatever. It's because we are with Christ and in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all separate. No. You're all politically aligned. No. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, with this verse, and not just with this verse, but this verse just, I guess, articulates that God reversed the division of mankind. With the same family, same heritage, same name, same DNA, same rights. I have a brother who is 17 years younger than me. I have a sister who's three years younger than me. We are so different. My brother and I, same gender, but I'm tall and handsome. (laughs) See, so different. Sorry, Jay. I tell everyone that I got the height, he got the talent. He's an incredible worship leader, and I can't wait for him to be over here and you meet him. But you see, we're very, very different, yet we're the same family. And when we're the same family, this says, I belong here, you belong here. I contribute here. We contribute here. When we think of it this way, that that verse, let me put it in today's context. 
There is neither anti-vaxxer nor double-vaxxed and boosted. There is neither complementarian or egalitarian. There is neither black or white, Trudeau-hater or Trudeau-supporter, gay or straight, conservative or liberal, carnivore or vegetarian, pacifist or warrior, pro-choice or pro-life. Yes, I went there. Introvert or extrovert. See, that there's something that holds us together, and it is not those views it is the very fact that we are with Christ and in Christ. Can we be a church where we're all able to say, I belong here, one body? And let me throw out another question, which is probably just as important, and maybe at another stage I'll expand on this as we move forward. Because I belong here, because I contribute here, can I bring someone else to the table? 1 Corinthians, and I'm not going to read the whole of this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26 gives a, an incredible picture. Let me just read the first couple of verses. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And it goes on. Let me, let me jump down maybe to the end, and this sort of goes back, 24, goes back to what I was saying earlier. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, those that are very visible, those that have the big jobs, but God has put the, the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. You see, there are some of you that feel, my role in the church doesn't really have the honor that Darcy has or Rose has or John has in, in what they do. But you see, God notices. God says, I'm going to give you my honor. Not, not the public adulation of the crowd, but the honor that only God can bestow on us. So that there should be no division in the body, but, the, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The body is used quite a few times as a picture of the church. Not just the church, global, across geography and time, but local church as well. How we fit together, the community which has Christ at its center and the Holy Spirit which joins us all together. Not not just people who are friends and come together and hang out on a Sunday and sing the songs, our favorite songs that we like. Community is so much more than that when we look at New Testament community. See, this whole passage says that we belong together, we're joined together. And without each other, we lack. We are split, we are apart. We need each other, we fit together. It says that God has put us together. And it says that we have a part to play. We all have something that we can bring to the table. Can I, can I just say as well, it's not the gift that gets us to the table. You don't have a right because you bring a gift. I bring a bigger gift, so I get seated at the end, at the top table. No, no. Getting to the table is God's gift to us. You are welcome here. That's what we call grace. 
You don't deserve to be at the table, but I'm going to bring you into my table. That is God's grace. That's his love. That's his forgiveness. See, when we bring a gift to the table, it's not to get there. It's because we are loved and we are invited and we are forgiven. And out of that, out of that relationship, we're able to bring something to God, something to his church, something that builds the body. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, From him, that's Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We grow, we build, we move in love as each part, you, the person sitting next to you, the person across the other side of the room who you may not get on with because they hold a very different view from you. But as we do our work, we grow in love because it's from Jesus. We grow. You may think you have nothing, but let me remind you very quickly of a couple of accounts in the Bible that would beg to differ. 2 Kings 4, verse 2. This is an account of the prophet Elisha, and he goes to this woman's house, and they're in desperate trouble. There's no, there's no benefits to help her out. She's a widow, and that means that she has no support. Her, her, her children are obviously young, which means that they can't financially support her as well. So Elisha goes to her and says, he replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Listen to her reply. Nothing. Nothing. See, how many times have you said, I've got nothing? I, I, I've got nothing. Well, well, I've got nothing, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. See, what she had, she discounted. She, she saw her little, and maybe she saw what other people had, and she discounted her little. Can I say to you, it is often with your little that God does a miracle. Because God, Elisha said, gather everything, gather it in, and I will take that little, and I will create much. And then we jump forward to Luke 21, and this is another little account. Verse 2. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, it's amazing that God's economy is completely different from ours, isn't it? When we look at our little, God says, that's something I can work with. When we look at, at other people's much, we compare our little to other, someone else's much. I don't have their talent. I don't have their time. I don't have their resources. But God said, no, no, no. I can work with a little if you just give it to me. And Jesus saw the very little that this woman had. She's not even named in the Bible. Yet her story has probably been preached on more times than nearly any other account. She gave actually a huge amount in heaven's economy. 
Both widows gave out of their nothing. When we see little or nothing, God sees a miracle and a huge contribution. Going back to that passage, and it talks about a body being split up. How could, you know, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Is a finger less of a finger when it's detached from the body or more? It's still a finger. We don't have that Adam's family hand running around. It would be slightly creepy, wouldn't it? Just slightly. But imagine a finger. A finger is useless by itself. We know that. We know that it doesn't contribute to the whole, but so often we're like, ah, I don't know if I'm, I'm connected. I don't know if I can contribute. I'll go off by myself. No, no. You're still a finger, but your usefulness is because you are connected to the whole. It may have freedom, but it is dying and losing its purpose. In Acts 2.42, the whole chapter of Acts 2 talks about the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But there's this passage, this verse, Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves and it gives four things. And as you read through a bit more, it talks about other things that they were devoted to as well. But they devoted to themselves, themselves to this word fellowship, which is a really nice Christian Christian name. You don't hear it really outside of other, other circles. You don't talk about the... Do you talk about the fellowship of hockey, Paul? Stop playing with your watch. I'm watching you. I know you're timing me. You don't have a fellowship of hockey, do you? A fellowship of librarians or books. You have. It's, it's a word. Why? Because we've tried to think of different ways of describing it, but there is no better word. When we read in the word koinonia, which is used, it's a huge word, so many different meanings, but one of the meanings is by intimate contribution. Romans, it talks about a financial contribution, but there's this giving of myself. I devote myself to the, to the body. We're in relationship. It's where I belong. Not just hanging out but giving and receiving and drawing life from each other. I love one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament. It's a really strange chapter to like. It's one, I encourage you to go away and read it. It's one of those chapters that you think, I don't get. If I didn't tell you why it was my favorite, you'd go, that's a bit of a strange chapter. Matthew chapter 1 is a strange chapter as well. You ever tried to get through it? In the old King James Version, so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so. Strange chapter. Until you actually understand there is, a, there is a, a sense of lineage. And then you read about the women, the only women that were mentioned in there. Go away, read that, and find out why they're mentioned. It's incredible. But this chapter, 1, 1 Chronicles chapter 9, it's, it's a list of names of people who bring things into the temple, take them out again, count them into the storehouse, bring them into the temple, put them out, take them back, put them into the storehouse, and they're doing it with their family. And it's just this list of names. How incredible is it that the setup team and the gatekeepers, the greeters, are mentioned in the Bible. 
I'm, I, don't, I think that's pretty special. I know I'm looking out at people and going, what? I think that's amazing that God chose in anything he could say to go, oh, no, I'm going to give value to these people who do set up in the temple and pack down and the people that stand at the door and go, hey, great to see you. We love our greeters here. They're the first people you meet, the first impressions, the first face. And they welcome people in, and God chooses to put their names in. He could have chosen anyone. The latest and greatest worship leader, the, the, the celebrity pastor. No, he's like, no, no, I want to, I want to name, the, I want to name the, the setup and pack down team. They'll go in there. Thank you very much. And I think we all have a responsibility. And, and this is probably a whole, it is a whole other message. But you see, each of us can help set up the environment. Each of us, and it talks about the guards as well. Each of us can guard something about our home where we belong. We are one body. I belong here. Belonging breeds contribution, and contribution breeds belonging. You belong here. We do life together. I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who, who coined the phrase life together. He knew something about what it meant to go through some stuff and have a group of people that he needed around him. And the first church, first century church, devoted themselves not to hanging out, but to fellowship, to contributing to each other. Imagine a church where each person, you, I, we bring our little and we add to the whole. As I, as I watched and thought about, and even when we were doing it, I was watching the guys and the girls brush water. And it started way back down the corridor because the water was flooding in at the, uh, from the courtyard right down the corridor. And there was one or two people who brushed the water up to the next group. And then they grabbed their shovels and they brush it along. And then right at the end, there was me brushing it out the door. See, I, I couldn't have done that by myself. At this end of the room, they'd have just created a wave which would have probably gone up and come back. But because we worked together, because we added... Now, the person here could have thought, I can do this all by myself, and probably could have done for 10 minutes. We did it for two hours. Two hours, we shoveled and broomed out water. And it felt at the time that, and, and for most of that time, the water wasn't going down, but it wasn't going up either. Eventually, as the rain slowed down, we managed to abate the water, and the water got lower and lower. But one person, two people, maybe even three, if they'd have tried to do that for two hours, running up and down the corridor, there would have been tens of thousands of dollars more damage. But because we contributed together, we added our little. Felt my age, my knees for three or four days, still wrecked. But we added our little and contributed to each other. But imagine a church where each person brings their little and adds to the whole. A church where we contribute to each other and to the world around us, our world. 
Sometimes the world can seem so distant and so big and so far away, but our world is your place of work or education or home. A church known for our love for each other. A church where each person not only attends but contributes to the mission. A church where our differences in gender, politics, opinions, economic status, preferences do not divide us but actually make us stronger. A church where we're not consumers but we are contributors. A church where we model Jesus and are loved by Jesus. Could that be circle? If we all play our part, it definitely is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this church. I love my church. I pray, God, that each of us, from today, from the things that we've built over many weeks, many years, many decades, we'll realize I have a part to play. I can contribute. I can give to the whole. God, I thank you that your economy is so much different from our own. Whether it's financial, whether it's resources, whether it's time. God, I pray especially for those that maybe have not felt that they belong here. God, I pray that as we we the church open our arms open our hearts more importantly God that people will feel at home I pray I pray especially for our First Nation community that surround and are part of Saskatoon God I pray as they walk in here they will find a home They will find community that they're not judged. But they're shown you and your love. Jesus. God, I pray that we will be better. At showing you. With open hearts and open arms. In your name, amen.